Welcome to the 6 Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka 6 Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. The show does not intend to offer any medical advice. I only aim to provide entertainment and to inform. You should always consult a registered doctor before beginning any treatment or on any topic that concerns your physical and mental health and well-being. Furthermore, you will not achieve a full set of abs in six minutes. Believe me, I've tried. Hey everybody, it's me, Six Minute Abs, and this week I've got... I know I say this a lot, but I've got a really special guest, but this is beyond special guest because this is the person who gave me life. So that's really important. But (laughs) everybody, just so you know, my mom is really, really nervous. So if you hear crinkling of paper or anything like that, she's doing her best. Okay, she's trying hard. (laughs) But anyways, Momsy, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. Yeah, so that's Gigi, as we all call her, all of the kidses and all the grandkids. I don't know what my dogs call her because I don't have children. But anyways, um, so this this week obviously started Women's Month here in South Africa. So if for the whole month of August, we celebrate women. And I thought, who better to talk to about Women's Month and being a woman than my mama? So yay, we're going to discuss everything to do with South African history of women and how um, ladies were treated in our country and then we're also going to get a little bit more personal and excuse my dog in the background if you can hear him but nonetheless Momsi, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what you do so Abby I'll tell you a little bit about myself and then that'll lead into what I do so when I was at school the teachers for my whole school career would write on my report card She is a conscientious, helpful person who always tries her best. Blah, 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 blah. And so it went. Yawn, sigh. A little bit boring, don't you think? Well, that was my school career. So still today, I'm an organized, I'm an organized person, and I try to obey the law, whatever that means in South Africa. I'm a strong introvert. And here's the paradox. The one thing I love doing in my life is driving. And I can be a bit of a cowboy when I drive. (laughs) Happy. (laughs) So that's the one thing. And there are other things I do with great confidence. I'm a Rhodes University graduate in the psychotherapy field. But I branched out of that. And I went into training with the Jesuits in South Africa. And the training took many, many years because you do some training and some workshops for about 18 months and then you have to go into the field and integrate what you've learned and work with people. So I became a prayer guide, a spiritual director, a supervisor, and ultimately I trained to take people through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. But I believe that's for another time, Habs. Okay. So what, I, what do I do? Uh, you were asking the question. I'm a wife of nearly 50 years and a mother of three gorgeous adults with their three gorgeous spouses. I have five interesting, beautiful, gorgeous grandchildren 
and six grand dogs. Two are my favorite, <laughs> according to Abby. <laughs> this has been my greatest pleasure and my greatest meaning in life, my family. So basically I do spiritual direction, I do retreats, I walk approximately 4.5 kilometers a day. I try to. I read a lot, M mainly, <laughs> mainly spiritual books and a few novels here and there because people challenge me to read other things. I actually enjoy TV and movies as a flop on the couch kind of thing, a rest and relax time where I don't have to do too much thinking. And I have one daughter, Abby, who encourages and inspires me to exercise, to eat well, and to listen to good podcasts. Thanks, Jeej, for plugging me there. <laughs> who needs a promoter when you've got a mama? <laughs> Anyways, so, Momsi, you, you are born and bred in South Africa. You've always been here. You were born here. You never left. Um, so, what has been your experience being a female in South Africa? Do you feel that you have had equal opportunity? So, Abs, I have to say I come from a p position of white privilege, if I'm going to talk about anything. I just need to put that out there. I haven't experienced too much of loss of gender equality personally, um, because my choice was to bring up my children rather than to be out there driven by career, driven by finances. Um, so it was my choice to stay at home for four years with each of you children, and that was a heck of a long time because of the age group difference between the three of you. It was important for me to be present to you emotionally and physically rather than to be out there in the field, you know, working and making money and that kind of thing. But I was fortunate in that Dad was a good provider, and we simplified where we could, and we simplified what we could. But uh, you might be asking the wrong person here about this question, because I'm not driven, as I've said, by career and financial issues. Um, I'm more into the helping people field, profession. I listen in ministry. I do counseling, I do spiritual direction, and I do retreats. But to get back to the first part of your question there, what has been my experience of being a female in South Africa? My heart breaks for women and children who continually suffer at the hands of violent men. We still in live in such a patriarchal society, and the femicide and the gender-based violence is totally out of control, Abs, and this is in the 21st century. It angers me. It's totally unacceptable. There's a huge inequality within the culture at large and in most of the institutions in our society. But there's always hope. Having said that, thankfully, there are many people working towards a more inclusive and just story. And where I can, I speak out against it. One of my hobby horses is that the Bible was written primarily by men. It's going to be interesting when it is re-looked at by women one day. In fact, it's already starting to happen. Okay, so everybody who's listening, just so you know, my, my mom is like a complete Jesus freak. Like for, <laughs> for Christmas this year, we got everybody mugs that kind of suited their personality. And Ray and I found one that said, I love Jesus in Monte Casino. And we're just like, that's the one. <laughs> 
That's the one for Jijington. So there's going to be a lot of spiritual talk, probably. I'm quite sure. But nonetheless, okay. So just based on my, not my experience per se, because I haven't really had a terrible experience here, but from what I've read and researched about South Africa, we haven't been a very nice country, in my personal opinion. Like we've actually been really, really unfair to everybody around us. Um, so firstly, we have the horrors of apartheid that hang over our country just absolutely terribly. But in the same right, there's the struggle of females within our country because, like you said, Ma, it is a very patriarchal society. And it still is to this day. I still feel like South Africa is a little bit overly male-focused. Fo uh, but nonetheless, so um, you were married at the time of the Matrimonial Property Act of 88, which was passed in 1984. Don't roll your eyes at me. This is a really interesting question for me because that for me is like all the ladies coming together in arms and you were there, you were alive to be living through this. So what was that like? Because I imagine it to be legendary. <laughs> Abby, <laughs> there was quite a lot of hype in the press at the time, which was all very constructive, actually. Uh, what it had effectively done was abolish the marital power, which men, which helped men to have exclusive control in a marriage. It was about the doing away with all restrictions that limited the capacity of a wife to contract in her own name or to litigate in her own name. For those married out of community of property, it introduced the accrual system, which was really something of a celebration, Abs. When you're married with the accrual system, the woman is entitled to the things brought into the marriage, like money, property, vehicles, and all of that. She shares in the assets of the marriage. And she's not deprived in sharing these benefits, as the case was earlier. Um, so that was exciting and legendary, as you say. <laughs> For me personally, I was married in community of property, and now I had the right to co-sign with Dad in matters in which we were engaged and not leaving me out and leaving everything up to him. So this gave me participatory rights in all of our affairs. I'm no longer barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, as I was for so many years. <laughs> and I had a say in our affairs. And that's also legendary. Yes, no, that's very important because... One of the things that I was just absolutely shocked by is um, before 1984. 1984, that's like yesterday. Anyways, before 1984, women were considered minors in the legal system. And that for me was just so backwards. I was like, oh my goodness. Okay, so you've given us, you've thrown us a bone and let us vote in the 30s. But, you know, we screwed if we want any other kind of say in anything. But anyways, there's another darker kind of side that came about only in the 80s once again. Um, and that was, you were also alive, Ma, during the time that the marital rape law was passed in 1989. So, and I've got this in my notes here. I've written down, what the F, South Africa, because that's just ridiculous. So can you tell me a little bit about living through that historical experience? It's always been difficult for me, actually. And just recently, the latest statistics announced by Police Minister Becky Tele announced that during the lockdown period, there has been an increase in rape. 
That is so sad. This is disturbing, considering we have the Marital Rape Law Act. I think it's a scandal that this has not been enforced as it ought to have been enforced. In any case, that's how it all appears to me. Sadly, South Africa now holds the title of rape capital in the world. Marital rape actually is constitutionally recognized as a crime in South Africa. So therefore, it makes no sense to me why they didn't prosecute more forcibly. It really doesn't make sense to me. And unfortunately, our infamous title will continue until gender-based violence is taken seriously and is diminished drastically. I have never, thank you God, had to rely on this law. But for those who suffer from this abuse, this legislation must be a godsend. If it were enforced seriously, I always say. It is so interesting and encouraging, though, to see protesting people, both male and female, protesting against gender-based violence. Here I'm going to ask you, while we're talking about having this conversation in Women's Month, can I share one of my most favorite quotes with you? Or maybe two, okay? The first one a lot of people will know. When you strike a woman, you strike a rock. We're strong. And this was part of the Freedom Song when women marched to the un union buildings in 1956. South African women have never been afraid to make their grievances heard and have been calling for their freedom in over a century. But it seems like a heck of a long time to me. And we're still in such violence against women. The second quote I really, really like is a Chinese proverb, and it's calling us to peace in our hearts, homes, and nations, and how things actually could be. If there is light in the soul, there will be beauty in the person. If there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. If there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. If there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. And isn't it peace that we're all searching for? That's a beautiful proverb, Ma. Is, is that's Lao Tzu, hey? Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, I really enjoy all of those proverbs. So, next up in the terrible history of South Africa, um, <laughs> could you... <laughs> it's guys, really, we don't have a good track record as a country, I'm just saying. But anyways, Bumsi, could you tell me a little bit about what it felt like standing in line to vote in our first ever democratic elections in 1994? So what was that like as a woman to see other women, all other women, standing with you to get their votes in? To this day, I still get tears in my eyes when I think about that day. And actually, it wasn't only for women, but for all South Africans, really. I can remember that day when I went to vote, there was an air of joy and happiness and expectation that this whole horrible history was taking a fresh turn. We were all trying to chat to each other and connect with each other, and it was just so exciting. Well, that's how I, f I experienced it. I cannot speak for other people. And even though as Anglicans, because I'm an Anglican, <laughs> even though... We as Anglicans in South Africa went to a service of forgiveness and reconciliation in 1994. Just thinking about the ap apartheid years brings huge sadness into my soul. 
Okay, so if you haven't gathered, my mom lived through like all of the big kind of riots and demonstrations that happened in our country. And now I feel like I'm kind of living in the same aspect almost with everyone marching to the union buildings for women rights and all of that. So it's kind of like same, same, but different. <laughs> but anyways, guys, this is also a month of celebrating women. So we've looked at the harsher side of the treatment of women in South Africa. But now we're going to move on to a little bit of a lighter side of things. And I'm going to talk to my mom personally. So, Momsi, you are legitimately a mom of all ages because you have been the young mom having Clint at 21. And then you've had me at 40. So you've been an old mom as well. So can you tell me what it was like being like the difference between being an older mom versus being a, uh, a younger mom? Oh, well, Abs, this is such an interesting question. People used to think that Clint was from Dad's first marriage <laughs> and Brian was from Dad's, uh, my first marriage, sorry, and that you were from Dad's and my second marriage. But it wasn't like that. It was all one marriage. So, But I think I hold the record for a mum fetching and carrying kids from school it went on for about 20 to 22 years. So if there's somebody out there who can break that record of fetching and carrying, please let Abs know and she can let, she can let me know. <laughs> so for me, it was like having three only children because of the age gap. It was very, very good for my head. But according to the siblings, they often tell me it was difficult for them because... Um, it was like being an only child, and sometimes they were very lonely. So I felt 21 was too young for me, for my mental and psychological state. However, physically, it wasn't too bad, because I walked out of the nursing home after having had Clint in my size 32 jeans, which I actually wore around the house before I was pregnant. No problem with that. <laughs> I think my pregnancy with Brian around 27-ish was the easiest. I felt a little more ready. But can one really be ready for a pregnancy and for bringing a brand new little person into this world? But nevertheless, I felt it was easier and that I was more ready. My body was good and my mind was good and somewhat developed. We know that the mind thing is, and the way people develop is a whole lifetime. It's ongoing and ongoing. But I felt ready mentally. Woo, and Abby, we were so delighted to be having a baby girl after two boys. However, which is one of your favorite words. However, I was 40 years old. And I know that's not an issue for most women today. Really, it's not. But for me, I already had two children. One legal adult child, he was 18. <laughs> Brian was 13. And now I was pregnant with you. And Clint was so sweet. Uh, Clint was 18 and he was in matric. And I would come with my big fat stomach and run around the rugby field, nearly tripping over everything. And he, even today, he says he wasn't embarrassed by my big fat stomach. But anyway, yeah, so, but you know me, when I can't do any, I'm quite stoic. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to be stoic. But when I can't do anything about something, I just get on with it. I really just get on with it. And, and here you are, successful, resourceful, beautiful, 
a young woman. You were meant to be given to me, and I was meant to be your mum. So how has that worked out for you? But actually, I know you asking the questions and not me. Are you tired of looking like a frump when heading off to the gym? Are you stopping traffic with your outfit on your morning jog for all the wrong reasons? If you, like me, are tired of recycling your old promo t-shirts as gym wear, you need to take a look at Athleisure HQ range. These guys stock everything your gym bunny heart could want or desire. From fantastic leggings, which literally feel like a second skin, and trust me, they really, really do, to amazing gym wear for him, you can find it all here. For all you South Africans out there, isn't it great to know that these products are locally manufactured in Cape Town? But if you're an overseas listener, don't stress, they can organize international shipping just for you. All the designs at Athleisure HQ are nature-inspired, leaving you feeling absolutely zen in your gear. I just picked up the Blossom Cropsy set, and my gosh, is it stunning. None of the garments have exposed elastic, which would leave your skin feeling irritated. In the same right, you won't have to worry about any irritating labels. All the usual label info is incorporated in the fabric. Furthermore, you can wash, wear, and live in your garments without ever having to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them fading, and you don't have to worry about them becoming washed out and dull. Go on, spoil yourself with these amazing products and get 10% off while doing so. Yep, you heard right. I managed to rustle up a code for all of my listeners to help you get the gear that's perfect for you. When you check out, use my code ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. That's ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. Once that's in, you're basically all set. So now go on, get, go! Go spoil yourself and look amazing in the process. It's worked out quite well for me, thank you. (laughs) But yeah, like my mom said, if you had to see my brothers and I, it does look like we all come from three different marriages, basically. I feel like I'm the glue that holds Clint and Brian together because Clint is shorter and he's stout i don't want to say he's fat he's not fat my brother's not fat he's just like you know a kind of bigger guy he's stocky um he's blonde he's got blue eyes he's super fair he was born with perfect teeth the bastard (laughs) and then you have brian who's super tall very lanky dark hair like dark brown hair big brown eyes olive skinned no not perfect teeth you know and then you get me who's fair skinned Big eyes, wonky teeth, and yeah, I feel like I'm the glue between Brian and Clint that makes them legitimate brothers, (laughs) (laughs) personally. (laughs) But anyways, Momsy, so like we've been discussing, um, for everybody out there who doesn't know, I am the only girl in our family, in our immediate family, and I've got my two older brothers, Brian and Clint. So what was it like being a mom to boys versus being the mom to a little girl? Shoey Abby. <laughs> That's a bit of an unfair question. But it's another interesting question. So I'm just going to go for it, okay? And I hope you're okay with it, Abby, Clint and Brian, if you're listening somewhere along the line. Um, <coughs> and I'm only speaking for myself here. 
I don't know what other people's experiences have been with boys and girls. So I think my little boys, when they were little, were more sensitive in that they were more attached to me. Not that you weren't attached to me, Abby, but you were always more adventurous and almost less cautious. When I took the boys to school, they cried. When they had to learn to swim, they cried. <laughs> when I left them in grade one, they cried. <laughs> Maybe this is a separation thing. Or when they had to go to a birthday party. Did I say that? No, it's they, they were uncomfortable. You know, I had to stay with them. Whereas you, you would cautiously go along and just be there. On the other hand, boys in the in the playground seemed to me to be more resilient in that they had a fight, punched each other up, but never really held grudges. And the next day they were all great friends again, you know. Clint and Brian, on the whole, I'm not saying Abby never did have little accidents, but on the whole they seemed to have more accidents, like falling out of trees, breaking arms, cutting their chins. I seemed to be in the doctor's rooms more with my boys than with Abby. But I'm not saying she wasn't in the doctor's room. She was. So Abs, I said little boys seem to be more sensitive. But on the other hand, you have always been more brave. You have been ready to try things out, to try new things. You have been less cautious and actually sometimes too much less cautious. But you were really brave. I can remember when I took you to swimming, your little, your lower lip would quiver around, and but you wouldn't cry. Your lower lip would be quivering, but you'd jump into the water, and off you'd go. And, and that happened at parties and on the first day of school as well. I just thought always you were more brave in everything you did. <laughs> so you, dear Abs, are unique. Though, most people are unique, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> but for a girl, uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah, you were a tomboy girl. <laughs> Does that make sense? I thought, but I had a rude awakening that I was going to have this little dolly to dress for at least four or so years. But no, you wouldn't have that. <laughs> I thought you might be interested in fairies and Barbies, but no, again. Those didn't hold much interest for you. Around two or three, it must have been around three years old, you were choosing your own clothes in the stores. And those were usually trousers and shorts and tracksuits. It seemed as if you went for comfort, you know? Remember the days you went to nursery school in your pajamas and your slippers? You had such a nice nursery school teacher. And she would say, leave Abby, she's comfortable, just leave her. So comfort was important for you, more than looking pretty or (laughs) gorgeous. (laughs) And growing up, I think you were more difficult than boys, if you don't mind me saying so. You were strong-willed, sometimes too strong-willed, like sometimes too not cautious. (laughs) Also, when the girls fight at school, they seem to carry grudges for months and months. They don't just get over it as quickly as boys do. That was my experience anyway. I mean, I might be wrong. I personally think boys and men have hormonal issues, but those seemed really amplified in girls. And then there was the whole fashion era 
And I wished you had this fashion yearning at that younger age I spoke about when you chose trousers and tracksuits. <laughs> you turned, after all of that, into quite a high-maintenance teenage girl. <laughs> but only probably because you were trying to work out who you were. I think that was more truthful. So I don't know if that makes any sense, um, but that was my lived experience of my boys versus a girl. So yeah, it looks like I've kind of gone full circle, Emma. <laughs> I started in my tracksuits and my pajamas and now I'm back there. <laughs> I came to your house in sneakers today. Like not heels, my sneakers. <laughs> but anyways, okay, so now we've discussed about boys and girls. Which was easier for you? And don't worry, I won't be offended by whatever you choose to say, but you've got complete freedom of speech here. Wow, that is a bit of an unfair question, Abby. <laughs> I don't think I can answer that honestly or, you know, really. I, I, I'm not sure I can. I do sometimes find myself saying to my friends that Abby was like having two sons in the house at the same time when she was growing up. So that says it all, and that's all I says about this. <laughs> So there you have it, everybody. I was a handful, two handfuls, actually. <laughs> My goodness. Okay, but Ma, what for you personally has been the most <laughs> fulfilling thing about being a mom? Sure, I have absolutely loved it. There have been a number of callings on my life, but motherhood has definitely been the most fulfilling, the most important, and the most privileged thing I have ever done. And Abs, I'm going to repeat this. You know the story about when my own mom died two years ago. Uh, one day, she was in hospital at this time, and one day, all of a sudden, four days before she died, um, she came out of her confused dementia fog. Oh, gosh, rest in peace, mom. <laughs> and she said to me, as clear as a bell, her eyes looking straight into my eyes and sparkling a little bit, like the original conversations we used to have a couple of years ago before she got this awful dementia. And she said to me, Gail, you will never know how much I love you. And that is what I can truly say to you, Abby Clinton Bryan, you'll never know how much I love you. And that is my mother calling in life. Oh, Ma, you make me cry here. <laughs> Okay, so what has been the most fulfilling thing about being a woman for you? Again, <laughs> really the most fulfilling thing has been a mother having children, um, as I mentioned before, and also having grandchildren. It's such an interesting, special time having grandchildren. They're such fun, and it's such a fun time. And I used to have a, a fridge magnet, Abby. I don't know if you remember that probably packed away somewhere. And the fridge magnet said, if I knew that being a grandparent was going to be such fun, I would have been that first. <laughs> I think another very fulfilling thing is knowing that I am a loved daughter of God. I, I've got to say what it is to me, Abby. I'm a loved daughter of God. Knowing who God created me to be this has been a long process in my life. 
And this is still ongoing because any pilgrimage towards God is a long process. Mm -hmm. And it's the thrill of knowing I am okay, who I am before God. So that's been very fulfilling for me. Mm, being a wife has been, if I'm honest, good, <laughs> but often a challenge. An interesting challenge in that one works out compromises and learns to be tolerant and accepting of someone else who is different, of different to you, learning to work together, but always having to recognize the Christ image in the other one. Okay. So you and Pops have been married for almost 50 years now. That's next year, hey? Okay. So next year, my parents will have been married for 50 years. I can't even fathom that. I'm just like, what? <laughs> but anyways, Ma, what is your secret to a long and happy marriage? Because clearly you guys know what's going on there. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I think it's something of what I just said above, you know. It's an interesting challenge in that um, you have to compromise, you learn to be tolerant, um, accepting of one another and always trying to recognize the Christ image in each other, in one another. But it's also about finding the things you have in common and doing them together, uh, finding things that you can laugh about together. Sometimes if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. <laughs> finding things you both enjoy. It's the will to make things work but also ab about allowing the other person to be who they are and allowing the other person certain freedoms. Um, Dad and I, we've never lived in each other's pockets, actually, and I'm so glad for that. We haven't been too possessive of each other. It's about trust. No trust, no marriage. That's what I've always said. Sure, it's about communication. And this is very important. And that's not always easy. The communication lines need to stay open. And not only in a marriage, but in any kind of communication. Communication can easily get muddled and confused, and then understanding of each other becomes compromised. Yeah, so I think that's my secret. And having children who make you happy and tie you together and glue you together. And grandchildren. Okay, fair enough. So finally, to wrap things up on a bit of a lighter note, what are your tips for surviving your husband when all you want to do is hit him with a pan? <laughs> First of all, get your own computer so that your work doesn't get wiped out every other day or every couple of days. I don't know, when either of us are frustrated, I can go for coffee with my friends or a friend. I actually go out and find the space I need. I get out of the space I'm in with the frustrating husband and I go and, oh, could be the other way around too. And I go and find the space I need. I don't take things too seriously, I hope, too often. As you get older, that becomes more realistic to you. Don't take things too seriously. It's not going to matter in 40 years' time, actually. And just recognize that um, he's dealing with his problems, and he's got huge problems and huge frustrations. <laughs> but then so do I. 
You heard it here first, everybody. Don't grab the pan. <laughs> but yeah, that was my mama. So she will be back at another stage to actually talk about spiritual direction, which personally I think she'll be a lot more comfortable discussing. <laughs> Big nods coming from the corner. <laughs> but yeah, guys, if... um. I don't know. I've always loved this thing, but everybody's always so focused on if you need to go for it and you need to be brave, you need to grow a pair of balls. I say, I raise you this, try growing a pair of ovaries. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I hope that you guys have enjoyed this and I will be back next week for more of Women's Month. Woohoo! Um, if you want to find me throughout the week, you can do so on Instagram, which is six underscore minute underscore abs. You can hit me up on Twitter, which is six minute abs. You can send me a Gmail, which is sixminuteabs at gmail.com. Or you can go and check out my blog, which is sixminuteabs.com. Anyways, guys, it's been amazing and such a privilege to have my mom on, on here with me. But I hope that everyone has a great week and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.